you for listening to the First Presbyterian Sermon of the Week. Associate Pastor John Reining's sermon is about what to do when there are divisions or conflicts in the community. It's based on Acts 15 and Philippians chapter 4. Have you heard the joke about the Presbyterian man who was, uh, he was found on a desert island? He'd been there for a couple of years when his rescuers found him. They were impressed to see that he had put up a house for himself, just a small hut, but a shelter nonetheless. He had marked some paths through the jungle to find the fruit trees and the source of clean drinking water. Then the people that came to rescue him noticed that there were a couple of other structures on the island. When asked, he said, that one over there, pointing to the one furthest away, that's where I go to church. When asked about the second building, a scowl came across the man's face. That one, he said, that's where I used to go to church. The joke is only funny because of just how much division, separation, segregation there has been in in the church. It's unfortunately a hallmark of the Christian faith. It's one of those things that the joke makes you giggle, but it's kind of sad at the same time. Church divisions are not fun. We make light of it, but they are not fun. They are painful. As a staff member at the denominations, at our denomination's head office for several years, I attended many, many presbytery meetings, regional meetings of, of the bodies of the Presbyterian Church in the U.S., and undoubtedly at every single meeting, there would be at least one congregation who was in the process of discerning how to de- leave the denomination. That process is always laden with stories and experiences, perspectives, and misconstrued realities that leave both parties, all parties, feeling robbed, betrayed, hurt. It isn't because one party is trying to be mean to the other. On the contrary, It's because both parties believe with every fiber of their being that they have a hold on the truth. And so both parties fight fiercely for that truth. What results is a larger body, the denomination, taking a scalpel to a relationship that is hard to parse apart. Things get left in one person's hands and not put in another's, and regret and bitterness ensues. So, why does it happen? Why, in the name of a unified triune God who calls us to be a whole and holy people, would some of the most faith-filled and faithful leaders end up in a disagreement so desperate and so sharp, to quote our passage from Acts, to justify ripping communities apart. 
Before I give you an answer, let me share with you the wisdom of my high school gym teacher. Uh, he, he doubled as, uh, as our civics teacher, and every Friday, Mr. Rakama would allow us one question. That question would then allow him to go on a diatribe of however long he wanted, and if you were really good, you'd ask a question that would get him to fill the entire 50 minutes. There inevitably would be the story that one class had where they said, okay, Mr. Rakama, discuss with us the value of a sport that has no uh, objective grading or objective scoring system. Is that still a sport? And that went on for three weeks. Every year, however, someone would think they were the brightest person in the room and ask, what is the meaning of life? To which Mr. Raukama would stand, and Mr. Raukama is a preacher in the Christian Reformed Church, and he would recite, as if in a trance, the words of the Westminster Catechism. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Okay, now on to our lesson. All of this is to say, sometimes the important answer that we need, or the answer to the question we need, isn't the answer to the question that we ask the answer to the question we should be asking. On this topic of disunity in the community, perhaps we're not asking the right questions. Maybe we shouldn't be asking how God could permit such division to arise. Perhaps we should not be asking how the church could truly be the church if its divisions run so deep. Maybe we shouldn't be looking with disdain upon people who leave or who go somewhere else just to be clicky and, and be with another group of people that have the same particular stance. The reason there are divisions in the church, if I was to pull Mr. Raukama, is there are divisions in the church because we are sinful and the church is made up of sinful people. That's why there are divisions in the church. That's not the important question here. What should we be asking? These are the questions that come up as we read through our scripture in Acts. Acts chapter 13 through 15, just before the reading we had this morning, tells of the buildup to the Council of Jerusalem. This is the, cold, the, the short version, the very short version, Reader's Digest. After Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit fell upon, came upon the apostles who began to go out and preach the gospel. As they preached, more and more people felt compelled to join this movement, to become baptized, to join their community of faith. As they did so, they founded communities, churches around the known world. They would be there for a season, the apostles would be there for a season, teaching them, would appoint leaders locally, and then would go on and establish new churches elsewhere. There wasn't very much else in terms of theological training. Disagreements naturally arose. They were usually hashed out by the people as they would pray together, they would worship together, they would discern together what was the will of God. 
They would read letters that came to them from the apostles that were shared amongst the other churches. Occasionally, big questions that caused big conversations and big arguments would arise. The first big one was whether or not people had to be circumcised, men had to be circumcised to be part of the church. Since this was a Jewish community, a Hebrew community that was primarily following Jesus and then welcoming in the Gentiles, the conversation was around whether or not the Gentiles could have roles of leadership, whether or not these people who were not Jews could truly follow a tradition that was so rooted in Judaism. Peter, Paul, the apostles, all of the leaders of the churches in this day had this question. And so they came together in Jerusalem to discuss. They discussed, they prayed, they, they argued the merits of both sides. And in the end, they came to a unanimous decision. Circumcision didn't matter. Everybody was equal in the eyes of God. All of this, two and a half chapters worth, and years probably of discussion and arguments of debating and discussing, working toward this unanimous decision. And then comes verse 36 at the end of this two and a half chapters. And we read Paul and Barnabas, two of the most prolific preachers of the day, who had gone out together and worked together for such a long time to establish so many successful churches, had a sharp disagreement and parted ways. Fascinating to see that after all of this work for community and unity, a sharp disagreement split two of the most prolific preachers of the day. The right questions here are the ones that tell us about who God is and what God is doing. The question can't be, why did God allow division to happen? But what is God doing in this division? In dividing Paul and Barnabas, God created two vectors of the ministry of the church. There are a bunch of city names in here, and admittedly, I had to look them up as well to confirm that they were in Antioch. Two of them, well, uh, Paul took Silas and went east, and Barnabas took Mark and went west. They went completely separate directions, one towards Syria, one towards Cyprus, one over land, one over sea. They had a disagreement and parted, and yet in so doing, God created this vector of the work of the church, and they were able to go out and do this work of proclaiming the gospel, which was the work that God had called them to do, two different directions and doubling the impact that they were having. The work of the church is to preach the gospel and follow the ministry that God is calling it to do. The questions we ask need to reflect that. We read as well in there, the last few verses, or the last verse or two, actually, it says that 
The people of God bless them in this work. Strange to see God working in this way, and yet also the people of God then blessing this division. But they likely saw the potential of this this split. The idea of blessing those who part ways is something that we see time and again throughout Scripture. It's one of the many examples that we see in the epistles. Um, uh, Sorry, the passage in Philippians is one of the many examples where we see someone writing a letter and parting ways in a way that blesses the people as they go. The letter of Philippians was written by Paul to the people of, to the church of Philippi. It was one of the last letters he wrote. And if you read that passage and ask, What phase of life is he in? It sounds like a fairly certain farewell. There are well wishes. There are words of affirmation. Effectively, Paul is saying, you've got this. God will sustain you. Focus on the things that are important. Rejoice in the Lord. Go. It is a a word of blessing and parting. Paul's words provide touch points of unity for the people so that they might feel united and yet recognize and acknowledge their departure from Paul. What's clear here, to me at least, is that the parting of ways is something that is painful. It is something that hurts and yet something that is at times necessary. When divisions happen, we need to be asking, what is God's purpose in this? Are we leaving, are we splitting, are we arguing over something that is Truly and honestly, something that God has instilled in our hearts and instilled in our minds, it is not rooted in our pride, it's not rooted in ourselves. Is it what God is calling us to do? Let me circle back to the beginning once again. If you look around town, I did a quick Google search last, the other, last night, the other day. Um, I typed in Presbyterian churches out of curiosity. Uh, and I could be wrong, but I counted seven Presbyterian churches in the city of Columbia, representing four denominations. Two of those denominations, two of those four, split off of the denomination of which we are a part. And then the fourth is a never-merger denomination that has been in this country since the 1700s, and they split off of something in Scotland once upon a many moon ago. So there are four strains of Presbyterianism in this town, we could say. What does that mean? One, in order to understand the difference, it sounds like you need to know church history, American history, and really some probably local history as well. And two, No one's going to know that history well enough to be hopping or choosing denominations based on 
those differences. <clears throat> if the history if the history that is established <clears throat> the history that has established each of those churches in town isn't the reason that one person might move from one church to the other. Why are we moving churches? <laughs> we could amp this up a bit. Let's let's take it so it's less personal. There are roughly 150 churches in this town within nine miles within a nine mile radius of us. Why would people choose one church over another? And why would one leave one church to go to another? If God is calling us to be who we are, and if we are faithful to who we are, God will bless us in that work, and God will move us in that direction. People will feel called to join communities of faith that are doing the work of God that they are called to do as well. I'm not advocating for everybody to jump up and find their favorite church. Be the worst pastor in town. <laughs> I'm saying we are a community of faith. We are a family of faith. God has called us to a particular work. And as we identify exactly what that is, we get to live together and work together and celebrate the community that is around us. Churches come in different stripes and different forms and fashions because People are so different. Remember, we have had three weeks of talking about community and the importance of unity in our church. This is the week where we say, there are times when God blesses those who go other ways, and we should bless them and support them in that decision they make. Be faithful to who God is calling you to be, O church. And through you, God will do amazing things. The number of people that are with you matters not. It's nice to have lots of people. But the ministry to which God has called us is what we need to be looking at. May God bless us as we discern that call. And as we follow Christ into this world. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please support our ministry with an offering. Go to www.fbccolumbia.org and click on the Give tab. Your gift will feed the hungry, house the homeless, and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Peace be with you.